Friday evening. In the summertime, it's like late afternoon because the sun is still beating down on this hot, broad street, Newark, New Jersey day. I come to you at a time, Logic and Larry family, I come to you from a place and a space where our resilience, our belief in logic, our belief in the prevailing energy of objectivity is more important than ever. This is the time when Logic and Larry and when all of us sharing time together and talking about the issues and discussing the news is more important than it usually is. There were astounding decisions handed down by the United States Supreme Court this week that jarred our sense of security in precedent, jarred our sense of our rights, jarred our sense of whether or not the society that we operate within has any structural bounds that we can count on or whether it's completely malleable to the whims of who's in power at a given time. Whether we must enter this nihilistic vacuum or whether we can persevere and continue to assume and hope that there is some semblance of structure remains to be seen. But us being together and discussing these things is profoundly important. And I tell you before I start discussing the issues of the day that everything I say in this podcast is strictly my opinion. This is strictly me speaking as a private citizen. Nothing I say in this podcast in any way represents the official opinion or position of any other entity or any other person. I do not speak to you in an official capacity whatsoever. I am speaking to you personally as Larry Crane, a private person on my own time about my own opinions. I'm going to jump right into what happened this week. The Supreme Court of the United States issued two opinions, one of which was on a gun case, one of which dealt with abortion. I will tell you from jump that this Roe v. Wade decision is jarring because it sets us back 50 years. Now, I will say from the beginning, I will say from the beginning that I never quite understood and never will understand, and I've been saying, I will never understand the pro-life, as they call themselves, the pro-life lobby in this country. People who are still harping on the fact that a bunch of cells is so important that they should infringe upon a woman and her doctor and her intimate relationship people making a decision about whether or not she wants to take a pregnancy to term. I will never understand them. They are outdated. They are played out. We don't need them anymore, but yet they persist to exist. And I got a little bit of a laugh out of the New Jersey pro-lifers celebrating today because abortion's still legal in New Jersey. So everybody out there in New Jersey celebrating with some kind of victory for you, our state's still going to go forward with abortion. It's going to be legal. And even Justice Alito, who wrote such a well-crafted, interesting opinion today, as if it was some landmark, profound thing, he will be marked in history, but will probably be in the trash heap eventually, because quite frankly, generational tides continue to perpetuate regardless of how much you try to hold them back. And the fact is that with the way the generations are going, either legislatively or through the court, abortion will be legal across the entire land again. This is a minor hiccup, although a profound one, and I don't mean to trivialize or minimize it. Millions of women across the country, in about half the states at least, are going to overnight lose their ability to have an abortion. 
And there's a lot to unpack, which I will do. I read the decision. I read the decision in Dobbs v. Jackson's Women Health Organization. I'm going to discuss it. I'm going to break it down because there's a lot of talk out there. Not all of it is completely accurate. I will break it down. I will also break down also break down the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin. I will break that case down. I read that case. So let's unpack it and let's start with Roe. So here's the two interesting things. Number one, the Roe v. Wade decision. So let me just break. Let me just go back a little bit. So when you start law school, this is a, a prof, this is a, a very important thing to lawyers. When you start law school, the first thing that you do when you go through it, it's like a, a grind. It's, it's a gauntlet, mental gauntlet. What you do when you start law school is you start to read all these old cases. Some of these cases dating all the way back to the 1200s, 1600s. And you gradually work your way up to the 1700s, pre-colonial times. You, you get up to the 1800s. They inundate you. They inundate you with legal precedent, old legal cases, because our legal system in this country, our legal system is derived from dear old England, and our legal system is one that revolves around a system of precedent. What that means is our laws evolve with society and evolve with the times by building on decisions that were made previously. So the current legacy of jurisprudence that we are operating upon not only originated from the Constitution, largely in 1791 when it was ratified, but also originate from centuries-old British common law. And we learn that in order to make a decision or to distinguish your decision from a previous decision or to challenge a statute or to see whether a right exists or not, the way to do it is to look at precedent. You must operate within the bounds of precedential law. And that is called stare decisis. To an extent, stare decisis is the, the um, term used for courts adhering to previous precedent. We learn that from a very young age in law school, and we continue to apply that mechanism as we explore and address case law and as we navigate constitutional law and as we navigate Supreme Court opinions and Supreme Court analysis. There are various things that happen over hundreds of years of this jurisprudence. When one judge issues an opinion, another judge issues an opinion built upon that, another judge distinguishes that opinion and adds another caveat, etc., etc. It creates this regime of law. See, so some of our law is statutory when Congress writes a law and puts it into practice, but other parts of our law are from common law. They're from cases decided by courts. And so over time, including centuries of time, we develop certain laws and ways of analyzing the law that we continue to operate within the bounds of, unless they gradually dissipate over time because they're unjust or don't make any sense or et cetera. So what happened this week with these two decisions, I will say is this. The gun case, the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin case, with the opinion written by Justice Clarence Thomas, 
really just operated completely and objectively and egregiously outside the bounds, outside the bounds of this well-accepted legal analysis, this, this centuries-old precedent, this way that we've been trained we are bound by the law. The, 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 the Bruin case operated well outside that. Justice Clarence Thomas's decision was so egregiously outside the bounds of well-established jurisprudence that it really warrants absurdly uh, vehement academic and legal criticism. Justice Thomas should be chastised, and it doesn't mean I won't follow the law. I'm a sworn person. I'll follow the law. But I will chastise from an academic standpoint. I will chastise a terrible, pathetic ridiculous, egregious departure from the legal precedent that we have been taught to adhere to and call it out for what it is, which is pure political hackery, pure nonsense, and terribly reasoned excrement. That's what I will call Justice Thomas's opinion. It was pathetically bad. Now, the fact that five other justices joined in his opinion is troubling to say the least, but the way it would reasoned was absurd. I will say, to be fair, that Justice Alito's opinion in the case that overturned Roe v. Wade, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, was much more within the bounds of traditional legal analysis. And therefore, I cannot say that it was egregious in terms of his legal, you know, analytical disposition, the way he carried it out. But I can say that I vehemently disagree with it and that it is an affront to progress in this country and that it makes us all question the fabric upon which we operate as a orderly society. But let's break down some of the things that happen in these decisions so that we can better understand where we're going, where everybody stands, and more importantly, what more is at stake? What else is at risk? What is going to actually happen as a result of these rulings? So the reason I said what I said was that in Justice Thomas's decision, and I want to explain this as as kind of briefly as possible to not get bogged down in the legalese, but there's something in law and legal analysis that lawyers refer to as like that Thomas just coined as a means end analysis is what he said. What, What it means is basically people are afforded certain rights, right? There's the First Amendment right to freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to guns, yada, 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 yada. Now, normally, for the last hundred plus years, when we have analyzed these things, when we have analyzed these laws going back years, the way in which the courts analyze, so say you want to restrict freedom of speech. So say you say, well, freedom of speech is fine, but despite your First Amendment rights, you cannot threaten to kill somebody and scare them into doing something, you know, that they don't want to do. You cannot yell fire in a crowded theater. The court analyzes any curbing of somebody's rights under a certain regime, and they it depends on how important the right is, either strict scrutiny or intermediate scrutiny. What that means is when the government seeks to limit somebody's right to something, 
the government must first show a compelling interest, i.e., the reason I want to limit the right to threaten somebody is because it's really egregious. It limits, you know, freedom of movement. It limits freedom of commerce, etc. Like you have to show a compelling interest, a compelling reason why you want to limit the right. And then on the other hand, you have to show that the mechanism you use to limit the right is narrowly tailored to your end, i.e. I did the least possible thing I could to, to realize the goal I had, to, to satisfy the compelling interest I had. If my interest is to allow for you know freedom of movement, I only limited freedom of speech enough to satisfy that right. I didn't over-include or under-include different classes of people. It's, it's a lot of political, it's a lot of legal jargon. It's a lot of legal jargon, but it's how we've worked. When you want to limit a constitutional right, you have to first show that you have a compelling interest in doing so and that your mechanism, your law for doing so, is just tailored enough to get to your goal, to justify your ends, your means justifies your ends, but doesn't infringe too much beyond that. That has been our way of analyzing the restriction of any constitutional right for over 100 years or about 100 years justice thomas essentially said in his gun decision we have the second amendment right and the way that the appellate courts the circuit courts have been looking at this right is they have been asking what we've been asking for 100 years which is you want to curb somebody's right to bear arms what is your compelling interest is it public safety is it this is it that and then, is your law narrowly tailored to meet that end? And that is how we've been doing it. Now, any law student who's a 1L first year law student would be learning this is the way you analyze cases. This is the way you analyze laws. This is the way you do it under constitutional jurisprudence and, and analysis. Justice Thomas basically said in his decision, when they did a two-step test, they went one step too far. We don't need any means-ends analysis. There is no compelling interest analysis. We're not doing that at all. I don't care if they've been doing it for 100 years. We're not doing it anymore. I don't care. I'm just not doing it. The only thing we care about in gun cases, the only thing we care about in gun cases is history. We don't care about if you have an interest. We don't care if people are mowing down people by the thousands. Even if you have an interest in stopping that, we don't want to hear it. We don't care. All I care about is what they thought in 1791 and was 791, 1791 analogous to today, i.e., if they allowed guns in 1791, you got to allow them now. I don't care about your means end test. I don't care about compelling interest. I don't care about anything we've been doing for 100 plus years. I don't care. Just look at the history of guns. And five other of these people went along with this. But this is a slap in the face to precedent. This is a slap in the face to one else. This is basically saying that everything you learn in law, that the law that binds us all is completely fleeting, completely malleable, and means nothing because you could just make it up as you go. Justice Thomas cited to one case pretty much, Heller, which was Scalia's case in 2008, and basically threw out all other precedent just to concentrate on his nonsensical precedent 
from 2008 and nothing else. He said, I'm looking at 1791, I'm looking at 1860, and despite the fact that New York and New Jersey have had laws that prohibit people from carrying weapons since the early 1900s, and they have been consistently upheld under our analysis for over 100 years, despite that, I'm throwing it all out the window, and I, Justice Clarence Thomas, am taking the liberty to go back to 1791 and tell you what they thought in 1791. Which is ironic in and of itself for obvious reasons, but go ahead, Clarence, do your thing. Now, in that case, it was intriguing. What was intriguing about that case was... First of all, let me tell well, no, no, let me tell you about the nonsense first. Then I'll get to the normal normalcy, okay? Amy Coney Barrett. So so Thomas goes through this whole analysis. And by the way, what this case basically said is 43 states are shall issue states, i.e. if you want to carry around a handgun, they issue you the license. In New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, some of, dare I say, the more civilized, enlightened places in this country, there is a a justifiable need requirement, wherein you must show that you actually have a real reason to, to have self-defense. You can't just say, well, I have a general interest in self-defense. I just want to carry a gun around in case something happens. You have to have had your life threatened or be in a certain profession or an industry that is susceptible to having your life threatened or susceptible to having your safety threatened, etc. These are what these states have had this standard for. So, and yes, I love it. I love the eight mile references. I've been throwing out Clarence references all day. I'm glad people finally got him. Paizo got him. Thank God. And by the way, these people that want to carry around guns, this is the funny thing. Like I have never seen maybe one out of a hundred people I've seen actually have a need. Everybody I've ever seen who's like, I need to carry around a gun for self-defense. I need to defend myself against criminals. I need to defend myself. Everybody I've ever seen say that is some suburbanite castrated male from the suburbs of America run into the store to get his wife ice cream who's gonna strap up now to walk into stop and shop and buy some chopped meat and Pepsi and I know he drinks Pepsi because he doesn't know Coke's better it's the kind of guy that we're dealing with these are the guys that want to carry guns for self-defense bro now, maybe a guy like me, the industry I'm in, the area I live, maybe in, in my world, maybe, I, maybe I, I will carry one. Who knows? Maybe certain people should carry guns for certain reasons, right? But the guys who are so vocal about it, the guys who want to carry guns are just the guys. They're going to be strapping up to go into stop and shop to buy something to eat. Now, I don't mind cops off duty carrying guns. They should. But who are these regular guys that, that you know, he works at the local mall or, you know, he's a part time accountant or, you know, God knows what he does. And he just straps up, puts it on his hip to go out to the grocery store. Watch out for this guy. This guy's a tough guy. Let me tell you something, bro. It's not going to help your endowment. It's not going to help your chances with women. It's not going to increase your stature in society. But whatever. That's another thing. That's just my personal opinion. OK. Anyway, that's what the case was about. So now the, the Supreme Court has allowed pretty much anybody to rock these guns so long as they don't have any flag. And this is the interesting thing that we're going to get into. And I don't mean to just pontificate and just be funny and whatever else. I want to actually get into the legal analysis. So 
Thomas basically said, I don't care what any of the compelling interests in regulating guns are in these large cities, in these populous states. I don't care if it's narrowly tailored. There is no means end test. The fact that you've been doing it for 100 years, just toss it out the window. All I'm looking at is history. You got to be just, if you're not with 1791, you're not with me. Very odd statement from Clarence, but we're just going to go with the Clarence. So... Amy Coney Barrett wrote a concurring opinion to that case. This is amazing. Amy Coney Barrett wrote a concurring opinion, which said just for the it literally was very short. All it said was just for the record. And I'm paraphrasing. This is not her exact words, but this is essentially what she said. She said, just for the record. I see that Justice Thomas talked a whole lot about 1860 and the 1860s in his analysis. I don't think we should be talking about the 1860s. I think we really should just be concentrating on 1791. The only thing we really should concentrate on ever is 1791. I don't know why we're talking about the 1860s. That's way too late. We need to just go back to 1791 and talk about everything from there. She literally wrote a concurring opinion just to say that. And the other thing she said was, I don't know how valuable precedent is anytime after 1791. So this chick, Amy Coney Barrett, again, scrutinized the crap out of her academically, scrutinized the crap out of her legally. I will follow the law because that's my duty, but scrutinize the hell out of bad decisions and questionable logic and questionable academic legal work. And that is questionable. We are going to go back to 1791 for every analytical process which we undertake, Amy? Really? Because I don't think the law would allow Amy to be a judge in 1791. But okay, let's proceed. So now for some of the actual logic, dare I say, a little bit occurred in that opinion. Justice Kavanaugh wrote a concurring opinion, which Justice Roberts uh, joined in. And Justice Kavanaugh specifically said in that case, the gun case, this does not mean under any circumstances that states cannot require licenses to carry guns, i.e., yes, you can't use justifiable need. it's, It's too broad a term. It's too general a term. And this is where legal thinking comes back into play and makes some sense. This nuanced complexity of legal thought and legal scholarship comes back into play with Kavanaugh because Thomas wasn't interested in any kind of legal scholarship. Thomas was just out here just free-flowing. I don't know what Thomas was doing. He's riding a wave, man. I don't know. He's, he's out of bounds. He's, he's Pluto when it's not a planet anymore. Out of the nine, Pluto's not a planet anymore. So that's him, okay? I don't know what he was doing. But Kavanaugh... Kavanaugh said, look, you can't require somebody to prove to you why they need a gun. That's too much. That's too much of an infringement on Second Amendment rights. You cannot go that far. He said, but, but any state that currently has a licensing requirement, you can make your licensing requirements whatever you want them to be so long as they are not outside the bounds of the Constitution. And if somebody feels aggrieved by a state's licensing requirement, then they should sue again and the court will take it on a case by case basis. Roberts joined in that sentiment, which basically means that justifiable need is thrown out the window now, which is, you know, and it was somewhat expected by certain gun scholars like our longtime listener, Dan Spafford, 
who long thought this decision was coming, who's an advocate of gun carrying, who who thought it was, a, you know, an overbroad way to approach carry permits. And, 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 and Dan's a, a thoughtful individual, an intellectual individual who I respect very much, who I think has some point with how restrictive that uh, process is. So... But Kavanaugh said, look, you can have still require gun permits. So New Jersey, for instance, may say, well, you can carry a gun. We're not going to ask you if you have a justifiable need. However, we're going to require you to do however many hours of gun safety training. We are going to require you to be this age. We are going to require you to have no prior criminal convictions. We are going to require you to be of sound moral character with no mental health red flags. We are going to require you to do such and such and the other thing. And we are going to limit who can buy guns in this state to people who are 21 and up and we are going to require this and that and then if somebody feels aggrieved by the requirements of the license they can challenge the supreme court but states are still going to be able to mandate that somebody acquire a license in order to carry a gun so states like new york new new jersey i fully expect i fully expect them to implement certain legal mechanisms to still restrict who can carry guns. And because it's not prevalent in the cultures of those states to carry guns, I do expect it to still be tamped down to some extent. Although, trust me, I think some dudes are going to be walking to Stop and Shop in Walmart strapped up for no good reason. They'll probably never use the gun. They'll never have to use the gun. And if they ever use the gun, unfortunately, it's probably going to be for the wrong reasons, but that is what it is. On the other hand, people who live in rougher areas who do feel like they need have a need for self-defense and they want to carry guns, then you know what? They may need it. And that is what it is. And there is something to be said for people who have thwarted crimes by having guns. On the other hand, states with looser gun laws have higher gun crime. That's just a fact. I've broken that down on this show. But I'm just being fair. I'm being objective. I'm being centrist. I'm bringing this back to reality, which is why I'm breaking down the decisions so that we all know what the decisions actually say and we don't go off the deep end and lose all hope ourselves. That's what was in that decision. Justice Breyer write a, wrote a dissenting opinion. Justice Breyer basically called out Justice Thomas's complete and utter disregard for the last hundred years of precedent. He actually mocked Thomas a little bit by saying what Thomas calls a, quote, means end analysis is something we've been doing for literally a century. But OK, Thomas, fine. He pretty much mocked that. And then he brought into, a, you know, into focus a lot of the um, actual gun violence problems we have in this country, which we all know are quite uh, prevalent. So anyway. That was the gun decision. That's what happened. I expect states to try their best to restrict gun carrying based on licensure requirements. How far they're allowed to go remains up to the Supreme Court. We will see how far it goes. But Kavanaugh and Roberts provided for some mechanism to regulate that, which is going to be intriguing. Now, off to the next case, which is the case that today was on everybody's mind, which is the abortion bill. So the abortion bill is a little bit different in the sense that with the abortion bill, with, not the abortion bill, I'm sorry, the abortion decision, the abortion opinion. With the abortion opinion, things were a little bit different because unlike Thomas, who just went beyond the scope of legal analysis altogether and a basically just disregarded stare decisis and just basically flushed it down the toilet, Justice Alito really hunkered down and found a way within the bounds of legal analysis, within the bounds of legal analysis to reject Roe v. Wade. And, and how he essentially did it was he said, look, this is more legal jargon, and I apologize for that. But essentially, 
what he said was, look, when you find substantive due process, so deep, due process in the Constitution basically says flat out, like, like verbally, like blatantly, it says you can't deprive somebody of property or of liberty without due process of law, i.e. like they have a right that's fundamental to like liberty, not be locked up you know, not have something taken away from them without due process of law, without a fair hearing, right? At some point, the Supreme Court decided that that particular clause extended to other certain inalienable rights, some rights that were not specifically enumerated in the Constitution, yet nonetheless were still God-given rights. And the 14th Amendment, which was enacted after the Civil War, the 14th Amendment applied those laws to the states, right? Because before the 14th Amendment, the limits in the Constitution, the amendments which limited the power of the federal government were construed to only apply to the federal government. So the federal government couldn't deprive you of liberty without due process of law. The federal government couldn't deprive you of property without due process of law. But it didn't say anything about the states until the 14th Amendment came into play, which incorporated the Fifth Amendment due process clause into states. So states had to abide by that as well. Now, I sound like Professor Pope, my brilliant Harvard and Princeton educated con constitutional law professor back at Rutgers, a self-proclaimed communist, but a great guy nonetheless, and a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant mind who taught me con law in the first place. And because I mentioned his persuasion, I just did it for full disclosure to show you the diversity of opinions at Rutgers. Make no mistake, this is not tainting my legal analysis, and you can hear it's well-reasoned. If you don't believe me, go listen to it from other people. I'm not a leftist by any stretch of the imagination and everybody who listens to this podcast consistently knows I'm not but this was a brilliant man who I sat in his class to learn con law now the the supreme court over the last several years 100 plus years has stated that due process of law applies to certain rights that were not specifically enumerated in the Constitution. And they've been operating on that presumption for a long time. Now, in Roe v. Wade, they found that there was a an inalienable right, not specifically enumerated in the Constitution, to privacy between a woman and her doctor, privacy in one's decision about the ways of the universe, the way human beings are created, Religion, things of that nature, which basically said that if a woman doesn't believe that a fetus is a person, if a woman does not believe that a fetus is a, is a person at the time of conception, if a woman does not believe she's basically going to hell for having an abortion, if her and her doctor and her, because of her own interpersonal relationships, decides to have an abortion, then that is her right to have an abortion. And that there is a fundamental unspoken right within the Constitution that's an inalienable um, liberty and that that shouldn't be taken away. Now, now Alito goes into it pretty in depth and he says, look, I'm analyzing your precedent here. I'm, I'm operating within the bounds of legal analysis and I'm looking at precedent and the precedent that you use to find substantive due process in the fifth and 14th amendment. When you do that, when you're looking for the right, was there a right? It's not specifically listed in the constitution. So was there a right? You look to historical values of America, historical values of history, and you decide whether that right was evident 
throughout our Western legal tradition, and therefore, if the right was evident, and if it was orderly liberty, which means not just some self-proclaimed liberty, but a liberty that is an orderly thing that society can accept and has been accepted, then it shall be recognized under the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment analysis of the Constitution and as, uh, as an element of substantive due process. Alito makes a compelling, from an intellectually logical standpoint, argument that when Roe was decided, Roe really kind of derived the right to, quote, abortion out of thin air. But he also challenges the right to privacy. He says that they kind of derived the right to privacy out of thin air, but that's a misnomer. The right to privacy has long been recognized, see, and that's where he missteps. He, he says that the Roe court, you know, improperly linked the right to privacy to the right to an abortion. And the right to an abortion has never been well-founded or well-enumerated throughout our Western law and our Western society. Therefore, it cannot be deemed a fundamental right for purposes of substantive due process analysis. And he makes an argument that Roe is flawed for that reason and that subsequently Casey, who then attached viability to the analysis, i.e., you can regulate abortions only after viability, but not before viability. He says that was like a random way to justify Roe v. Wade while still undermining the underlying logic of Roe v. Wade and that that was problematic. So now he makes that decision. Now, I disagree with that decision because it's such an upheaval of our rights. And I believe that there is a fundamental right to privacy and there is a fundamental right to the intimacy in healthcare decisions between a woman and her doctor, especially before viability, because I don't understand how he throws out viability just altogether, because viability is an important thing, right? Because part of the compelling interest that the anti-abortion people have is that in preventing abortion is that, look... These are little people. So if they're not little people, it kind of contradicts that, right? And so I disagree with a lot of his reasoning in that way. And why is, why is there like CLR and Larry Crane in here? It's funny. Like, so we got Larry Crane and CLR. I love it. I kind of guess why, so don't even answer it. Don't answer it. But I, but I like how there's two people in here. Um, so, and I appreciate that, LK. Um, so... The interesting thing about that decision now is that Alito overturned Roe v. Wade. Now, the interesting thing in that decision is the concurring opinion. So Thomas, again, I guess he was riding the wave out in the universe, Mr. Pluto, way outside the bounds of any kind of semblance of sanity. And Clarence came back into the thing and Clarence said, you know what? Just for the record, he just comes in just like Amy came in the last time. Clarence comes in. He says, hey, you know, just for the record. You know, now that we got rid of um, Roe v. Wade, I just want to remark that, like, uh, substantive due process is crap altogether because, again, it's not there in 1791. I just want to go back to 1791. I know it's weird for me because of who I am, but I want to go back to 1791. And basically in 1791, just so you guys know, uh, there was no substantive due process since it's not specifically in the Constitution. We should get rid of contraception. We should get rid of the right for gay people to get married. We should get rid of any kind of substantive due process rights ever decided under this uh, regime of precedent. Because again, precedent doesn't matter. My whole legal training doesn't matter. What are we even doing here? Is it time to go home yet? I'm Justice Clarence Thomas. Thank you. It's been great. He just comes in and says that crazy thing. 
And by the way, so now that's obviously because, you know, the media, they want to scare everybody and threaten everybody. So they're going to they're just pushing this Thomas thing like relentlessly. They're pushing this Thomas concurrence that said we should get rid of gay marriage. We should get rid of contraception. We should get rid of everything because obviously it sounds scary. Obviously, Thomas, again, is orbiting in Pluto. He doesn't know what's going on. He's just saying crazy stuff. So this is what he says. But what was very interesting in the decision in the Mississippi case was that Kavanaugh once again writes a concurring opinion in this case. And Kavanaugh says in this case, specifically, specifically Kavanaugh says, I just want to talk about this decision. He specifically says, he goes to great painstaking length to say, and dare I say, I'm intrigued by Kavanaugh 20 years from now. Dare I say, is he going to go far-right political hackery, or is he going to become one of the more thoughtful justices? And I always had that inkling about the guy, even though everybody hated him during his hearings and he was terrible and all this stuff. He's written now two concurrences in two of these cases that, you know, he sucked. He joined the, opi- the majority opinion on, on opinions that I thought were crap. Or, or, look, just Thomas's opinion in the gun case was crap. Alito's opinion was pretty well crafted, but I disagree with it. Put it that way. But he joined both opinions, so I'm not giving him a pass or giving him accolades. But I will say, now Kavanaugh does a concurrence, and he says, look, there are valid concerns on the anti-abortion side. There are valid concerns on the pro-abortion side. We are not making a decision as to whether or not abortion is great. We are not making a decision as to whether or not it should be legal or illegal. He's like, look, you wanted us to declare it just illegal all across the land. That's not our job. It's going to be a state-by-state issue. States who seem see it fit to allow it will allow it. States who see it fit to, to criminalize it will criminalize it. And then he says, look, if you're talking about contraception, if you're talking about the right to gay marriage, if you're talking about any of those things, my straight up opinion is this decision does not, does not make those things illegal. This decision will not make us rule those things are illegal. Because the foundation upon which substantive due process is drawn, I still agree with in theory. And substantive due process, you can find a historical reason to say that people's sexual choices, their child control choices, even their homosexuality is a choice that is embedded in the right to privacy, the right to intimate choices embedded in the fundamental rights of the Constitution. He basically said if you were to challenge the gay marriage law or you were to challenge contraception, I would vote not to outlaw it. That's what he was going to say. That's what he said. Roberts... Roberts straight up said, I wouldn't have overturned Roe v. Wade. Roberts said, look, you asked us about the Mississippi law. He said the Mississippi law was challenging whether viability is an appropriate benchmark to outlaw abortion. Because remember, Casey had said it's viability that matters. You can't restrict an abortion before viability of the fetus. But after the fetus is viable, you can restrict it. Roberts said that that standard was unworkable, made no sense. Like you couldn't just say viability is all that counts. It doesn't make sense. So you could throw out viability as a benchmark, uphold Mississippi's law, but not overturn a woman's right to choose, which I think is embedded in the substantive due process clause of the Constitution. I think there is a fundamental right that should be recognized for a woman to choose, and we shouldn't overturn that. But I would have agreed with the Mississippi law, but I wouldn't have overturned Roe v. Wade. So if you take that altogether and take it with a grain of salt because who knows what's going to happen with these justices if they do challenge gay marriage or they do challenge contraception but the fact is 
Kavanaugh is basically saying, I'm going to vote against outlawing all of that. And Roberts is saying, I wouldn't have even overturned this, which means if they do challenge those things, it'll probably be a 5-4 loss for the conservatives and the, and the liberals would win. Nonetheless, nonetheless, I don't think I'm calling him Tim. I see Ian in here. Keep calling Kavanaugh Tim. Our old manager is not a super- Remember Tim, Ian? He was a great guy. He's still surfing waves, maybe. <laughs> Remember he was like a surfer? Guy was great. I wonder what he's doing with his life. He let me get away with anything. Great guy. Great times at Acme. And me and Ian were managers at Acme at one point in our lives before we became professional men and, you know, responsible elder men. But, you know, anyway. Um... The fact is, guys, that if the Supreme Court, and I'm talking about this, look, Roe is terrible because Roe overturns a right that we've had for 50 plus years that people have counted on. But I I say this, there were so many people that voted for Trump, so many people that vote Republican for whatever reason that they want. And Ian, you're probably right on that because what was he, 20 something? But, you know, the fact is there are... We rely on rights. We rely on precedent. We rely on some, you know, reliability of our government and our established law to regulate, excuse me, regulate what can happen in the elections. And the fact is, judges are supposed to be nonpartisan people. Our senators are supposed to uphold the Constitution. Our presidents are supposed to swear an oath. Just like I said, whether I agree with laws or not, I adhere to them. I'm going to continue to, if in my professional capacity, which I'm not operating in right now, obviously. But if Supreme Court justices are not following and not adhering to the bounds of what their profession requires as judges and are instead just operating in this freewheeling vacuum and this free-for-all where they can make any decision they want and just create it and conjure it out of thin air the way Thomas did in the gun case and completely ignore any parameters of legal theory and completely ignore any rights that have long been afforded to this country, then it undermines our confidence in any semblance of any system and any order whatsoever. It puts us again, as I said, in this nihilistic place where it's like, well, it's a zero-sum game. It's winner take all. It doesn't matter what standard you say you adhere to. It doesn't matter what institution you say you belong to. You are just going to do what you want and justify it after the fact. If we're in that type of society, then there is no order. There is no mechanism to maintain order. There is no cohesiveness. There is no social contract. And if there is no social contract amongst us, then we are in anarchy. We are in chaos. It is a free-for-all. It is a zero-sum win-by-force game. And that is the fear. That is the terror. Myself as somebody who believes in order and in society and in Aristotle-esque philosophy that every man achieves his most his most meant for and his greatest potential operating within an ordered society is completely crashed and decimated. And that's why I fear that what the Supreme Court has done this week has undermined their own credibility in the eyes of the American people and thus undermined all of our faith even further and eroded all of our trust even further in the United States government and in our government as a whole. And that is a bad thing. I don't want that to happen. I don't believe in that. 
That is why I have some respect for Alito's actual way that he took down Roe. I'm not in support of taking down Roe whatsoever. But at least he did it within the bounds of legal analysis. Thomas just flying out of left field. Doesn't have any respect for what he's doing. And I really would call into question his wife and all that other stuff with the Trump stuff. Because quite frankly, if he's doing this on the record, guy hasn't said anything for 30 years. My buddy Nick Ferraro said he's like, the guy hasn't said anything for 30 years. Now he's on a war path. It's true. What the hell is he coming out of left field? Because Trump got elected. Now he's charged up. What's wrong with this guy? Whose man is this? Anyway, talking about all that, talking about our lack of faith, so many people that voted for Trump, so many people that voted Republican, so many people that were like, oh, I'll vote for Trump because he says screw libs and he's funny and my taxes are going to go down. And they said, oh, but he's not going to overturn Roe v. Wade. He's not going to appoint judges that overturn Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade is settled law. They'll never overturn Roe v. Wade. That's settled law. You can't. Hey, guess what, guys? Pay attention to who you vote for and what the consequences are, because apparently they can overturn Roe v. Wade. Apparently they did overturn Roe v. Wade. Pay attention. But those same people who want to support Trump and say it wasn't just his fault are the same people right now who, by the way, I got in arguments with today in social media because despite all the evidence coming out nonstop, and I know Sean from Georgia wants to me to talk about this, and I'm going to talk about this, so I hope you're still around Sean from Georgia, who's always passing along a lot of good tidbits and information to me, who specifically wanted to talk about this, the January 6th insurrection hearings. The January 6th insurrection hearings proceeded this week. And speaking of our lack of faith in democracy in this government, Donald Trump, it beyond a doubt, they, they proved it in the impeachment hearing. They proved it in the impeachment hearing. And they proved it so much in the impeachment hearing that the vote in the Senate was 57 to 43 to convict Donald Trump of treason. 57 to 43 including seven Republicans, or more than that, Republicans. Because it was before, it was the lame duck session, I think. Or was it after? I don't remember. Somebody correct me. They voted to convict him. And then the ones who didn't vote to convict him because they used some excuse that he's not a president anymore, so you can't impeach him. You can't convict him. You can't impeach him. They still railed against him because he was egregiously out of line with his blatant attempt to thwart a free election and his blatant attempt to stage a coup and take over the government despite not being lawfully elected. There are still people in this country. There are still people in this country today who are willfully turning a blind eye to the blatant treason that Trump committed. Trump is a traitor. After seeing the evidence, I will say that Trump is a traitor. Trump is a criminal. Trump is the antithesis of America. Trump is the antithesis of patriotism. If you don't see that, you are being willfully blind. If you consider yourself objective, you consider yourself a thinking person, you listen to this podcast, but you still cling to some affinity for Donald Trump and you still pretend that Donald Trump has some salvation, you are lying to yourself and you are not doing your duty as an American. Point blank, period. Point blank, period. The hearings that commence this week... The hearings that commenced this week 
were pure evidence of what he did. Let's start with Mike Pence's people. Did anybody hear what went on with Mike Pence and his crew last week, I believe, when they were doing the testimony from within Mike Pence's circle? Now, remember, these are devout Christians, Christians so devout that they are all about overturning Roe v. Wade, people that I would disagree with on 99 out of 100 issues, devout fundamentalist Christians, which, by the way, is interesting since these same Republican fundamentalist Christians Christians want to turn our country into a religious theocracy, yet constantly rail against Islamic theocracies across the world and condemn their human rights violations, yet want to turn us into a Christian theocracy with similar human rights violations. It's absurd. And they don't even see their own hypocrisy. But then again, nobody on the left or right ever sees their hypocrisy in this country. So we got to sit here and take them down and take them to task because they don't want to listen to anybody else. So we do what we do. But the Pence people, fundamentalist Christians, hardcore Republicans, did anybody hear the testimony? They were so jarred by Trump's blatant disregard for the Constitution and so jarred by Trump's disregard for American democracy and they were so clear that Trump was trying to overthrow the country they were so sure that Trump was trying to overthrow the country that these fundamentalist Christians were sending each other Bible quotes. Did anybody hear this? They were sending each other Bible quotes because Pence was going to go ahead and do his duty as an American and ratify and certify the election They were sending Pence Bible quotes about corrupt kings and doing the Lord's will despite the the request of a corrupt, tyrannical king because they knew Trump was a tyrannical king. They knew Trump was a tyrannical king. And these people, Pence's own people, were praying because Trump was a corrupt, tyrannical king. And this week, did anybody see that Trump was attempting to corrupt the Department of Justice? He straight up remarked, I am going to appoint people into the Department of Justice who agree with what I say because, quote, what do I have to lose? Richard Donoghue, Richard Donoghue testified in front of the commission committee this week. And by the way, again, I want to employ Kissinger. I want to applaud Cheney. This is a bipartisan commission. They can say all they want that it's a Democratic kangaroo court. They can spread the lies all they want that this is some political hack job. If they want to see a political hack job, just tune in to Clarence Thomas on any given day and listen to him rant and ramble, and you'll see what a political hack job is. This committee is not a political hack job. This is Trump's own words. This is Trump's people's own testimony. This is the recordings from the people who matter the most. This is what it is. And risky opinions comes in. They didn't overturn Roe v. Wade because of religion. They nothing in the Constitution that says the federal government has power to enforce abortion. I went through that risky opinions. I spoke about that. Justice Alito op- operated within the bounds. I broke down the analysis. You can rewind it. I broke down the analysis of why he said Roe v. Wade was on shaky ground. I said he had a point about the shaky ground and the substantive due process. I still disagree with it. And I still am fully, fully under the assumption that everybody who is anti-choice in this country is a fundamentalist Christian. And if you don't believe me, go look it up. They're all fundamentalist Christians. They're weirdos. That, that's just a fact. I don't understand how anybody could be against abortion and then also against providing aid to children. But that is what it is. But I broke down the decision between Roe v. Wade and Justice Alito. I said he was within the bounds of jurisprudential tradition, whereas Thomas was way outside the bounds on his decision. 
So Trump, Richard Donahue testified that Trump was basically saying he was going to install a puppet in the Department of Justice who would go along with his plan to overthrow the election. He was going to install a puppet who was going to go along with overthrowing the election. And Donahue went out and actually had to convince people, including John Demers, who was the head of the National Security Division, he had to go out and convince them not to resign because if they resigned, Trump would be able to install a puppet which would have stolen our free election, would have undermined our democracy. Trump was hell-bent on stealing our democracy. And everybody thinks just, I want you to think about this. If you're somebody who never said, who always said, look, I'll vote for Trump, I'll vote for Trump, but he'll never overturn Roe v. Wade because Roe v. Wade has set a law. I'll vote for Trump, but he's not really a threat because this is America. Nothing bad happens. Well, why don't you take a look at what just happened to Roe v. Wade? You thought it would never be overturned because it's settled law, but it is overturned. Now, put that same analysis, that same perspective on January 6th. You say this is America, so they'll never overturn anything. There's no coup. There's no fascism. There's no fascist coup d'etat that will overturn our free elections. And I challenge you, I challenge you to go look at the insurrection and the evidence before you under the same paradigm as you now see Roe v. Wade has, in fact, been overturned and go look and tell me there can't be any coup d'etat in this country. That's bullshit. There has been coup d'etats across human existence since our inception, since the beginning of society and organized governments. This was an attempted coup, and that's it. The evidence speaks for itself. You can't wiggle out of it with your bullshit theories. The evidence speaks for itself, and it's from Trump's own mouth and witnesses from his own side of things' own mouth. And Devon, you make the beautiful, a beautiful point, Devon, when you say if this had happened in Afghanistan, they'd be up in arms. It's true. If this exact same thing, if Afghanistan had a free election and somebody won who we were supporting and the other president attempted to galvanize supporters to to ransack and run up on the capitol building of afghanistan and one of the protesters was killed and a police officer in afghanistan was killed and the recordings of the president showed a pattern of trying to coerce people into flipping the election and outright stealing it we would be saying flat out that it was a coup and that that person should be taken out most of you neocons would be saying to go take out that president of Afghanistan because he's a corrupt politician. But because Donald Trump did the same thing, you pretend it never happened. Yes, it did. These hearings are proving it. You don't want to watch CNN? You don't want to watch NPR? Now, don't watch it. Watch the recordings and the testimony for itself and then tell me I'm wrong because I'm not wrong. I'm objective. I'm looking at reality. You want to float around with Clarence out in Pluto? Go do it. I'm sitting here in reality. And the fact is, Trump tried to overthrow a free election period there's no wiggling out of it period you had gates mo brooks and scott perry requesting immunity requesting pardons why would they request pardons unless they thought they were engaging in criminal activity they were requesting pardons from trump and trump had discussed the possibility that testimony came out this week trump had discussed the possibility of blanket pardons for anybody who helped him overthrow the election by not certifying the election And Murph points out, even Fox has been showing the hearings. Good for them, other than the opening thing. Good for them, because the opening was a lot of, you know, let's be fair, a lot of Democratic pontification. Now they're just showing the actual testimony, because the testimony is a testimony. You can't get around it. You can't deny it. The testimony is the testimony. That's it. 
Look at it for yourself. It's evident, just like it was evident in the impeachment hearing. They make a great case because it's the truth. Stop trying to get out of the truth. If you're a true American, if you're a true patriot, you're not the bad guy. Just because you voted for Trump, just because you like Trump, that's okay. But now you have a chance. You're a true American. You don't have to like Biden. You don't have to like Democrats. You can love the Roe v. Wade decision. You can be a, a loving, a gun lover. But just get on the same page as the rest of us and be a real American and declare the truth and acknowledge the truth that Trump tried to overthrow a free election and that we won't stand for it as Americans. If you're a true American, you'll do that. Because it's obvious what happened. You can't wiggle your way out of it to make yourself feel better. Just accept it. Whether you liked him or not, you were duped. The guy tried to steal an American election. You might not like Biden, but that's not an excuse to go against American ideals. If you're a true American, it's not. I wouldn't go against American ideas when Trump won. I didn't say Obama should overthrow the election. I didn't say that. I did say Trump had help from Russia, and he did. And that was proven. But there's still been... It was still a legitimate election just because Russians influenced the voting moods of Americans. Americans still voted for Trump. That's their fault. They voted for Trump. Trump was elected. There was an orderly transition of power. And there should have been. I never said don't give the presidency to Trump. I never said that. Never would. So basically, Donahue convinced several key members of the Department of Justice not to resign because if they had resigned, Trump would have appointed a puppet regime to essentially help to overthrow the election. Another quote that came out this week, another quote that came out this week was Trump saying, just say it was corrupt to DOJ officials. He said, look, just say it was corrupt and I'll handle the rest. Just say it was corrupt. He was basically getting people to try to say, look, just tell a lie. Say it was corrupt. Just say a lie. Just tell a lie that it was corrupt. Even though it wasn't corrupt, just tell the lie that it was corrupt. Go ahead and tell the lie. And then I'll take it from there. I'll handle it from there. You just tell the lie. I'll handle it from there. Because there was no corruption. There was no fraud. He just wanted them to push that message so that he could undermine the election. And Murphy points out, Sean points out, he called the Georgia Secretary of State and said, look, find me 11,780 votes. Find me 11,780 votes, period. Just find them for me. Find me 11,000 votes. That is probably going to be the crux of the case against Trump in Georgia when Fannie Willis, by the way, is probably going to indict him for what he did. She has the smoking gun evidence, which is the recording. You, you can deny the recording all you want, but listen to it. It's not a Democrat that created it. It's not under a Democrat interpretation. It's Trump's own voice saying, find me 11,000 votes, i.e. I lost Georgia by 11,000 plus votes. Find me those votes, asshole. I want them because I want to win, even though I lost. That's not American. That's not American. And Tom, Tom from down south makes a good point. We got a lot of theories, but no proof. Yeah, all kinds of theories, no proof. And the Democrats have plenty of proof. And by the way, guess what? It's not the Democrats. It's the committee. The committee has Republicans on it. Longstanding Republicans. Anybody remember who frickin' Cheney was? Dick Cheney? Liz Cheney's on the damn committee. Is she a Democrat? I don't think so. Are the, Democrat, the Republicans who voted to impeach Mitt Romney, is Mitt Romney all of a sudden a Democrat because he voted to impeach Trump? Enough of the nonsense. And by the way, I wish Mitt Romney would run for president. Let me tell you something. I wasn't voting for Mitt Romney back in 2012. 
But if Mitt Romney ran right now against sleepy Joe Biden, I'd probably vote for Mitt. I don't know. Give me a moderate on either side of the aisle and I will vote for him. Give me a moderate on any side of the aisle and I will vote. Joe Manchin. I know. No, no. You know what? Kirsten Cinema. I love Kirsten Cinema. Run. Run. Kamala Harris. I'm a Kamala Harris fan. Run. I just don't know. I don't know if she's got the prowess. I think people don't like her for some reason, but I, I, I'm a big fan. Run. Give me a moderate person who's competent, please. They're going to run Trump again or DeSantis. Give me somebody with some sense, please. Give me somebody like that. For crying out loud. I'm going to pivot just one last time, and then I'm going to open up for phone calls if anybody wants to call. The Skype line is back up with the old number, the 973 number, the Newark, New Jersey number. Last thing I just want to touch on is, you know, there's so much bad news, and, and it's true, and I don't know that this even moves the needle, especially given this nonsense decision by Thomas, but the fact is that Joe Biden, despite the fact that he's terrible at promoting this, and despite the fact that he's terrible at letting people know that he's accomplished these things, Joe Biden actually now is going to sign his second major bipartisan bill that's going to be on his desk soon, and this major bipartisan bill is the gun law. It was completely overshadowed by this Supreme Court nonsense this week, maybe by design. I don't know. But this gun bill is bipartisan. It has Republican and Democratic support. It's not the be-all, end-all. It's not going to solve all of our... And I agree, Tom. Yeah, McCain and Romney, they lost because they're at a losing posture no matter what. And Trump kind of galvanized this sleeping base of people that don't know a whole lot about politics, that just feel aggrieved for no real reason or angry about the country for some vague reason. And just he embraced their sense of like, you know, ignorance in common. You know, we all kind of share this anti-establishment, anti-intellectual thing. And on a cultural level, he really connected with people and especially across rural areas. And he kind of galvanized the Republican Party into this actual non-conservative, non-patriotic kind of hodgepodge of angry people and xenophobic people into this Trump coalition that has now permeated into a cult of personality akin to any fascist tyrannical leader and now they follow him around so great point on that now and I agree with Sean on that there's no way McCain was going to win I think McCain is a great American I think McCain was a hell of an American and a a war hero by the way Trump called him not a war hero but I think he was going to lose no matter what because of the Bush regime the country was going anti-republican and let's face it Barack Obama who is one of my favorite politicians, one of my favorite presidents, one of the most admirable people. Uh, I loved his centrism, which is now demonized by the left and demonized by the right. Uh, He was a, a brilliant man and he was very charismatic. And I think the country wanted to take that step, especially from a racial standpoint, which now we forget and we say the whole country is just terrible and racist all the time. I actually think the country was ready and wanted to embrace, you know, diversity. And and, and Barack Obama was a brilliant, brilliant man who was very charismatic, who had a great vision for the country. And he won the election. I don't think McCain had a chance. But by the way, McCain showing his patriotism and showing his humility, McCain purposely and his family did not invite the sitting president, Donald Trump, to his funeral, but asked president, former president Obama to do his eulogy, if anybody doesn't remember. That's how much of a true patriot and of a, a real-ass dude John McCain was, that President Obama gave his eulogy. 
And those were the Republicans we used to have. Even George Bush, everybody hated him. Okay, George Bush made some bad decisions. You didn't have to love George Bush. Invading Iraq was a bad decision. But you think George Bush was going to get out of Afghanistan the way that Trump and Biden did, looking like clowns clinging the planes? You think Bush would build a wall? We used to think Bush was ineloquent. Look at Trump. I mean, the old Republicans, that was, at least they were Americans. At least they gave a shit. What the hell are we doing now? Anyway, this gun bill, look, it provides a lot of money for mental health and school safety. It incentivizes states to include juvenile records in their background checks. It also includes the closure of a loophole. There was a loophole that for a long time, if you had a domestic violence conviction, but you were just dating the person, like it would only it would only show up on a gun background check if you were living with the person that you were convicted of hurting or you had a child with the person you were convicted of hurting or something of that nature. If you were just dating the person you were convicted of hurting, it didn't show up on a gun background check. From now on with this new bill that Biden should sign today or tomorrow, that is going to show up on gun background checks. Anybody under 21 who wants to buy a gun, it's going to be harder for them to do that. They're going to incentivize states with financial incentives to get states to implement more stringent um, background checks and waiting periods, et cetera, et cetera, whatever you can come up with on people under 21 to buy guns. It now requires and, and incentivizes states, doesn't require, but incentivizes states to include people's juvenile records in background checks when they buy a gun. So now there's going to be more background checks when, when people who just turned adults are going to buy a gun. They're going to go through their juvenile records. And there's going to be more scrutiny with red flag laws for younger buyers. They're going to incentivize states, and states love federal dial dollars. They'll take federal dollars to implement policies. This is the mechanism they're using. It's going to encourage states to do more thorough background checks, especially on younger buyers. Very importantly from my standpoint, very important from my standpoint is that there are a lot of gun dealers that were not normally included in the definition of gun dealer or gun retailer. And therefore, they were not subject to background check requirements when selling a firearm to somebody. This new bill encompasses in the definition of a gun dealer, which subjects them to the requirements of certain background checks and mechanisms, you know, to go through before selling somebody a gun. This includes a lot more entities in it, defines them as gun dealers, and therefore several more gun sales across this country. Several more gun um, I'm sorry, I'm reading the comments, but several more um, gun dealers will be included now in the background check process. So this while this is not the be all end all, at least Republicans and Democrats got together and I, I think passed meaningful meaningful legislation, while not a cure-all, while not as far as we need to go necessarily, did pass something that I think will save lives. And again, Biden is presiding over a second bipartisan victory, the first being infrastructure, that is probably once again going to go far under the radar. And this man who has stumbled quite a bit, has stumbled quite a bit, and I have not been shy about criticizing Joe Biden.
He has accomplished two things that are very important to the country. Number one being infrastructure, which is going to have a huge impact, especially in my region of Newark, New Jersey, and New Jersey and New York. But also has presided over this gun bill, which I think is going to be a big, big help. It's going to save lives. And it's a good compromise. And it also recognizes that you can't get everything all at once all the time. And Siren, you know what? You said sorry, not sorry. And I gotta, I, I agree with you, though. It's true. People follow the herd mentality. They do. But I will say that, you know, just like they said when they came out with this bill, something is better than nothing. We operate, the reality is, and I preach this on this, on this show. I preach this on this show. Something is better than nothing. And the reality is you're not going to get everything you want all the time. The reality is the way our system is, the way people have different opinions and competing ideas and competing agendas, you're never going to get everything you want. You have to try to get as much as you can when you can. And this gun bill gets what they could agree on and it will save lives. It's better than sitting there screaming at each other, pointing across the aisle, saying AR-15s, AR-15s, or mental health, mental health, and doing absolutely nothing to deal with the problem. At least they figured out what they could agree on and passed that. That's a starting point. That's what we should be doing more of, more and more and more. And Tom, yeah, you make a good point. I don't love them, but I don't love them. But there was reasons to dislike them. But to me, Bush's analysis of Bush is, can be akin to the analysis of Biden. Like, I don't hate them. They made some bad decisions. They weren't great presidents. But compared to a guy like Donald Trump, who is just now we've seen how how fragile, how precarious our situation is with who our executive is. It just shows people like Bush and all them weren't that bad. <laughs> And now you see like, wow, like it's so it could get so bad and people could be so like swayed by this cult of personality. We could go so down this path of anti-democratic sentiment that we're almost lucky to not have had that for most of our existence. And Donald Trump is such a wake up call for those who actually want to wake up, you know, not those who want to just forget that it happened. But it is what it is. It is what it is. Now, now I will say, uh, I'm going to do this. And, and again, don't feel the pressure. I, I had my time in the sun. I had my rant. I can go relax right now. But if you want to, Skype is back up and running. If you want to call in, the number is 973-536-2580. 973-536-2580. You can call and you can talk to me on the air. 973-536-2580. And I will take your call and I'll hear your opinion on anything that we've been discussing today. What you think, what you think can be done, etc., etc., etc. 973-536-2580. I'm welcoming calls. We are now at the back end of our John Coltrane playlist, which was what we had today. Started with a Love Supreme album all the way through, and then Crescent album all the way through. Uh, we have a, a good amount of listeners on, and I'm glad you're all here. Um, but I know a lot more people are going to listen on the recording, and for those people, I will have the playlist out as well. I've had a lot of people asking me, what was this song or what was that song? And... Um, 
that was a good thing too so you know people always interested in the playlist and that was it It was a john coltrane i wasn't getting fancy i was just going coltrane today man um i have a a a question from murph dog larry think the caving in will ebb the democrats will have something to fight for with the developments this past week i think yes oh that was tom hold on Tom said, I think the caving in will have the Democrats will have something to fight for this week. I think, Tom, you're right. I think this is going to be a a wave. This is going to be in an odd, twisted way, a boon for Democrats, because now they have a rallying cry. Now they can fight for abortion rights. They can fight against the Supreme Court decisions. They have something to galvanize their base. They have something to point to that says, look, inflation's bad. This is bad and that's bad. But apathy is not going to ticket. We have to fight against this. Look what they're doing. And I think it will help them in the midterms. Uh, now back to Murph. Murph said, Larry, you think the nut job candidates the Republicans are nominating for Senate will cost them? Murph, I will say yes. And I've said this a long time, Murph. I say it with the Democrats and I get screamed at by the Democrats and I'm going to say it about the Republicans and they might want to scream at me. But hey, what else is new? They've been screaming at me for years. Yes, especially if you look in Pennsylvania with Dr. Oz, you have a decidedly more progressive Bernie type candidate. Um. But, you know, he's now going to get lifted. And I, I, as I understand it, he's doing better because uh, Dr. Oz is such a wacko, maybe non-resident type guy out there. I think that the I think anybody who's far left or far right is going to cost their party and going to hurt them and their chances to win an election. Um, so I think, you know, that. To answer your question, Sean, I think that nominating the crazy Trump candidates is going to hurt them. In New Jersey, I mean, it's more of a moderate state. There were plenty of Trump candidates in the gubernatorial primary, and they all lost. And the guy who won the nomination, who was a moderate, who was not a Trumpy, he came close to beating Murphy. And I think if they had nominated a Trump guy, they would have lost hands down. So, yes, actually, with the latest decisions and with the Republicans nominating some wacko righty Trump people, I think the odds of the Democrats losing the Senate have gone down. We will talk more about that as more polling comes out, as we get closer to the election. We'll have political action bracket on. We'll have you on. We'll talk more about what's going to happen. Um, but um, I do think that them nominating those people is going to help. Now, the, the number is 973-536-2580. If you dial that, it should go through. Um, that's the number. And if I may, I can just go back to my calls here. And if somebody just gives me their area code, I bet I'd be able to find them and call them and try to make that work. I don't know if there's a problem or what the problem is. But 973, oh, I said it a minute ago, but now. (laughs) 973-536-2580. Is it working? Or is it not? Here we go. Here's an incoming call from somebody. You're on the air. Who do we have? It's Rick Crampy. Rick Crampy. What's going on? Can you hear me? Yeah, who's this? This is Larry K, bro. You're on the air. What's going on? You you called the new number. It doesn't even sound like you. Yeah, (laughs) well, I had the old one in my phone, so I tried to call that, and it just rang and rang and rang, and... Now I'm actually frustrated. There's oh. a lag in this thing, but I'm not getting any echo, right? No, you sound great. 
Thank you. You sound great, too. Mm-hmm. It didn't sound like you. You sound a little too peppy. Interesting. Well, I'm a little peppy today because, you know, I, I feel good getting all that anguish and, and analysis of court decisions out of my system and out to live yeah. outside of me. The same way when you write something, you get it out of you and I feel good about it, you know. Yeah. No, no I sense that relief, man, because you were doing the voices again in the beginning, which I love. But. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, that's when I'm like really heated. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's how I know when you're mad. I'm like, oh, he's mad. He's doing the voices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, hey, I just wanted to address the other side of, of the issue about this uh, Roe v. Wade overturning bullshit. Yes. Because today I was absolutely attacked by the left. I, I alluded to it a little bit in one of your posts. Mm-hmm. But I learned, so I have a buddy and it's mostly movies. He's mostly a movie buddy, and a bunch of people talk about movies. But they're all a little bit younger, in their 30s probably, and they're all very woke. Yes, and yes. <laughs> they usually just pile on me about about my opinions of movies because I don't always agree, right? There are some <laughs> right. movies that are just shit. Right. And uh, so anyway, so he today, he changed his profile pic and his background pic to the Handmaid's Tale stuff. Okay, all right. Right, so so you know how it posts and it says change his profile pic, change his background pic. Yes, yes. So on the background pic, I said, and literally this, it was a terrible decision, but it wasn't as terrible as The Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Boy, did people come on good. (laughs) Oh, God. Freak the fuck out. I mean, (laughs) like, like, threatening me physically, like, uh, oh, it's too bad Thomas Jefferson got rid of dueling or I'd come and you know, show what? you a thing or two. What? Like, Dude, I'm the, next, I'm the next state over. Show up. Holy shit. Yeah, and, and just vile cursing, vile cursing. You say next state over. Were these, were these Californians? No, oh. New Mexico. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. And he was also a military dude, and I'm like, uh, why are you guys so mad? Right. You know, and, I, and I stayed cool, and I was calling people sir, which is, you know, I learned from you, because that's not my style. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I wanted to make him uncomfortable a little bit, you know. But but they just kept going, and I mean, from, you know, mansplaining and red herring every time there's a woman's issue, and I'm trying to make excuses, I'm like, I straight up said it was a terrible decision. Right. But not Handmaid's Tale terrible. Right. They didn't make it illegal. Right. You know what I mean? They threw it back to the states. And I, I even said I realized there's legislation out there that even has wording in it that said, if the Supreme Court could overturn this, here's the new law. Yeah, Virginia, right? or, or not Virginia, some other state, uh, Carolina, Tennessee, them, yeah. yeah, they like triggered it right away. So, like, I wasn't making excuses for this in any way. I'm, I'm absolutely appalled. And, but they are, uh, like I said, I was threatened a number of times, like, with physical violence. See, that's where we are as a society, and it's messed up. And I will yeah, say, man. to your point that you made earlier, which, and look, this is obviously an egregious attack on, you know, women's rights, because they're the only ones that can have children, even though, Rick, that would be disputed by some modern gender theorists. It, let's not go down that road, but, but it's... it's well, you told me that. They said, you don't have a vagina, and I almost said, don't you tell me how I identify. Right, so it's a little bit dicey, but... To, to be honest, I was thinking of you, not in a bad way, but I was watching the New Jersey local coverage today, and they were, like, in Newark, and there were other cities, and everybody was angry, but then they were in, like, Morristown, and there was all these, like, older women who were celebrating 
this thing with like signs like yay and like pro-life and all, I'm like al- almost all of them except for one man they were all and everybody I've ever encountered to be fair that's like anti-choice I've ever encountered on the street was a female I'm not saying it's their fault I'm just saying it is more complex than just like a lot of men are angry about this a lot of women are angry about this it is an infringement on women's rights exclusively it's terrible for women it sets back women but there's a lot of women that are happy about this there's a lot of women in the anti-abortion movement that should be discussed too just because it's it's interesting it departs from just men versus women this is deeper than that yeah the same the same thing happened with the era the women were all up in arms i can't remember the lady's name they did a a mini series about it not too terribly long ago right that showed her and working with politicians and and they fought against it i mean like why would women fight against women's rights but it's because on the other end again with the spectrum the left okay i'm all for women's rights i'm all for you know go find your bliss right do your thing be the best person you can be etc but don't turn around and demean these women that want to be moms, that want to be married and stay at home. Right, don't demean them, yes, yes. But they do that. They just go, oh, well, they're just brainwashed by the patriarchy. Like, yes, because, you know, there's men all the time when when you hooked up with somebody and she comes here and she goes, she's pregnant, I think I'm going to get an abortion. You go, oh, no, you're not. Right, right, right. That never happens. Never, ever, ever. Right, right. Well, maybe once in a while on the once Waltons or something. Right, right. <laughs> By the way, Daniel Minette, who I think I have an opinion of who that really is, he said, Larry, Rick's new name is Clapback Crampy. And I got to be honest, I like it. Uh, I like it. Clapback Crampy. Like, you just come at dudes. You don't give a – and women. You just come at – I like that name because it's true. You just clap back at heads. I like it. I mean, I like it's, not, it's not even that – but it, I mean, I like it, but it's not – it's not like I'm clapping back. It's just like how come – I I can't have my opinion, and so many people said that to me in that lefty group today. Right. Yo, you're a white male. You don't even care. I'm like, dude. I used <laughs> to drive girls that I did not impregnate. Right. To the clinics. And right. I got this same shit from the women sitting in the clinics with yes, their friends. Yes. Yes. Right. I'm like, I'm fucking here. Yes. Why are you looking at me like that? Yes. Why are you judging me? Yes. And they would all just go back into their magazines and be like, oh. Uh, That's what they. I, I, didn't even impreg- <laughs> I didn't even impregnate her, goddammit. No, no. It's fun. And by the way, just for. It's not like necessarily within the context of your call, but just to address the other thing Kavanaugh said in his concurrence was that for people traversing to other states, would states be able to penalize them? And he said, no, because you have the right to travel and open commerce. So my, he specifically said also that will also not be criminalized. He's almost now I, I can't trust him right now, but I mean, he's writing it on record though. And he's saying, go ahead and challenge them penalizing you for traveling across state lines. I'm going to say no. And I bet Roberts is going to join. So maybe people are okay. Look again, I'm not in any way condoning this. I'm just going to be I'm just going to discuss the cases like and just break them down for what they actually say, not because and I disagree. I'm angry, but I want people to have the information because people aren't reading the cases, which I understand. They're long. They're a pain in the ass. But I'm just letting people understand what goes on in the cases, not because I'm okay with it, just because I'm explaining like you were to the lefties. But in our current climate, Rick, no one wants to. No one wants to have a conversation. They just want to attack. Even the people you saw today when I was talking about, like, look, just look at Trump. He he did what he did. Stop stop hiding it. They, like, don't want to hear it. It's like, just open your mind. Like, like just open your mind to reality. But these people were, like, one guy said, 
Rick, this is literally the Handmaid's Tale. I think, really, <laughs> so the religious right got the military to rise up, kill the president, kill most of Congress, kill most of the House, enslave everybody who resisted, and then started picking out the women who could still get pregnant because there was a huge problem with fertility. So that's what happened today because I must have missed that, <laughs> right. all this excitement about striking down Roe v. Wade. Right. And I knew it was Mark, by the way, Daniel. But but, but yes, like, yeah, it's, it, they say literally, they have misuse of the term literally because it's not obviously not literally yeah. a handmaid's tale. Right. Like, let's have a discussion. Yeah, let's not be ridiculous about it. Jesus. And they're like, you're saying it's okay. And I'm like, I didn't say it was okay. <laughs> right. I said it was terrible. Right. That was my first statement. Yes. I said it was terrible. Yes. And I said, but it's not Handmaid's Tale right. terrible because we haven't been overthrown by a religious nut job who controls the military. No, well, not yet anyway. Not yet. Exactly. I, not yet. <laughs> I even offered to apologize to them in two years and then again in five years <laughs> if the Handmaid's Tale actually comes into play. Right. I'm like, I will come here and eat crow. I will be your servant for a year. I will right. do whatever it takes. But it's not going to happen on my watch. I'll probably be in the camps or dead fighting. <laughs> exactly. You guys are threatening me and making me the bad guy. I said, I understand you're in your emotions. I understand that this is a, a terrible thing overall, but, but I can do it. Right. No, you know, it's, yes. It was okay. Well, it's funny. I had a conversation with somebody else who got in a fight with me recently because I said, you know, had they actually succeeded in overthrowing the free election, I might show up and like get in the way of them because I'm a patriot. And the person yeah. was like, well, what do you mean? Like, you don't even basically said like, you're not that far left. Why would you ever do that? I'm like, just because I'm not far left. I don't believe in like the sanctity of democracy. Like you paint everybody in a corner or the other. Like, just because I'm not a far left, this doesn't mean I'm not going to fight against tyranny. What the hell's wrong with you? You know? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. That's why I told this guy that threatened me, uh, apparently he's ex-military. I said, mm -hmm. you're not the only person that's ex-military. <laughs> right. I said, I'm the, you know. Yeah, you're ex-military. knives, hand-to-hand. -hand. I said, I'm proficient in all of those. So right. Come on, come at me, bro. <laughs> right, right. You, you don't even know who I am and you're, not only are you judging me and putting words in my mouth, but now you're physically threatening me with violence. Right. So, no, I know. Right. Anyway. Yeah, no, I hear you, and I agree, and I appreciate, I appreciate all that. I appreciate the input, as always. And Siren says you take everything too literal, but I think she's joking because you weren't the one who took it literal, so... Right. No, I didn't take it literally. It was, it was me talking to a friend, and I even, I even tried to use that. I was like, if this guy Kyle and I were sitting in a cafe or somewhere having coffee, and people were overhearing us, and Kyle said, oh, it's The Handmaid's Tale. I said, dude, it's not that bad. Right. And then they all got up and started threatening me and cussing at me and kicking my chair and, you know. Yes, I, I know. Like, does, none of you would do that. It's right. great to sit behind your keyboard. Yes. You, I was having a conversation with Kyle. I specifically tagged him. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, Kyle, mm -hmm. not that bad, buddy. We're going to be okay. Yes. You know? Well, that's what I think goes on Yeah, all the time in social media. People express opinions and say nonsense they would never say in person just because they're behind the keyboard. It's, it's destroyed our social dialogue where it was more like there's like a hierarchy of conversation of people who can do it and people who listen and then weigh in here and there. And there's a hierarchy of like if you don't know what you're talking about, you go research, you're out of element. It's totally destroyed in, in social media. They just spout off and it creates nonsense. Yeah. 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 I, I didn't mansplain anything. Mm -hmm. I literally had a minor opinion about how terrible this decision was. Yes. And again, the egregious part being that the Supreme Court took it upon themselves to just go, you know what, while we're here, 
Yes, no. Right, I know. I mean, right. that's that's unprecedented, right? I mean, maybe one time in history. Yes, I know. You, you probably know more about that than I do. That's why I loved all the stuff at the beginning about your jurisprudence and all the training. It's like everything that you were taught about being a lawyer was tossed out by the Supreme Court. Yes, today. which is. Which you understand why it puts us in this weird, unstable vacuum. It was, and and again, Alito kind of stuck within it, which is why, like, okay, like I don't like it, but at least you, at least you, like, gave us some. Yeah, but Thomas just was like, screw all you, I'm going in. Like, what the hell? Yeah, I don't know. That, that dude, I can't. Like I said in my some of my comments earlier today, I can't wait till they overturn. Was it Loving versus Virginia? Yes, right. The yeah. mixed race marriages, <laughs> right? Or any anything else, segregation, uh, yeah. you know, Brown versus Board of Education, right? Like, yeah, Clarence. <laughs> yeah, Clarence. You want to go back to 1791 before Loving? I don't know if there was an interracial aspect in the historical, you know, analysis of 1791. There, Clarence. The hell's wrong with this guy? Yeah. But whatever. Uh, I, I, dude, I don't get it. <laughs> Me either. Me either. Anyway, I need to vent as well, and I appreciate the format to do that in because it's always. A joy to talk to somebody else. Hell yeah, Rick. And I love that you called and, and Skype is back. We are back to the old school thing. I think YouTube's going to be good. And I like the phone number calling into the local number. I think it's just easier to hear everybody. I love Podbean, but I think Podbean's still my distributor. So I still got love for him, but this is the way to go. So I appreciate you joining this me, brother. So much better. Yeah. So, much better. so I'm glad I'm back on here All finally. Right, All right, brother. I'll talk to you later, man. Have a good night. See ya. Bye, Rick. Bye. Yeah. Rick's a great dude, man. Rick, Rick's such a, such a good like dude, caller and listener who always calls in and just late like ways like puts adds value to the show. And and it's funny because people who listen to the recorded versions who haven't been regular live listeners will still mention Rick because he's such a, a regular and it's just great. It's just great for the show. But guys, you know I love being on this show and talking to you guys because it it's part of my therapy. But remember. It's not just therapy like this is serious stuff. And I, as I say every show and I will continue to say, despite what goes on, despite the different news that we can't predict that arises all the all the time, despite the things that come up that throw us off, that throw us for a loop, despite those things, we need to not lose faith we need to join together and continue this mission that we've embarked on. And this audience, from a live standpoint, has grown to an extent. But from people who, can, who listen to this podcast, download it, and then share it, and et cetera, has continued to grow. And it's not going to grow overnight. It's not going to exponentially just happen tomorrow. But it's going to continue to grow because we are going to continue to do the hard work of being objective, of being logical, of being fair in our analysis, of attacking things at the factual root of them rather than speculating, rather than going off the deep end. We are going to call out nonsense when we see it, just like we did today. We are going to call out nonsense in the news and politics and legal jurisprudence. Regard, We're going to call out things. But it's more important than ever than, that we come to this central meeting place and continue to have these discussions and continue to vibe with each other and continue to do this. It's important. And I'm glad we're doing it. And the number is 973, because we might have somebody else who wants to call in. 973-536-2580. 973-536-2580. 
I do have a little bit longer if anybody wants to call in. 973-2, sorry, 973-536-2580. Um, but I, I, you know, we, we have to discuss these things because they're important to discuss, you know, and, and, and they warrant introspective, objective discussion. And from now on, yes, I'll put the number in the description. You are live on the air. Who are we talking hey, Larry, to? Hey, Larry, it's Mark. What's going on, Mark? How are you, brother? Good, good pal. Been a while. How are you? Been a while. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Good to hear from you. You too. So uh, what's up? Sorry, I missed, I missed the first half of all this because uh, I was in the car and the reception was bad. I couldn't get this thing to load. But, uh, okay. I, I, so you were talking about the uh, precedent, I guess, the jurisprudence? Yeah, I was saying that Thomas was like out on Pluto in his reasoning, but that Alito actually had some decent jurisprudence to back up his decision, even though I disagreed with it. Sure, sure. Yeah, not what I, what I wanted to say was, because I don't know if you touched on it or if a lot of people are familiar with it, but, you know, I keep reading in the news, you know, that they, you know, they, un, they you know, overturned it and they, they reversed precedent. And pres like, precedent has been overturned in a lot of cases, but th this is different to my understanding because it's the first time they've ever contracted a right when they overthrew precedent instead of expanding one. Is that, that, is that that's a great point because to that point, I think you're right. And I, I haven't even thought of that because they usually just overturned like IE separate but equal. That's not a right they took away. So that's true. And Alito did engage in the analysis of like what it takes stare decisis to like overturn president. He mentioned Plessy v. Ferguson and Brown versus Board of Education. He mentioned he went into the analysis. Roberts disagreed with him. Roberts was like, you didn't do enough. There's other things he disagreed. But that's a really good point where even though he went through the analysis, you're right. They've taken away a right that we've had for 50 years and that hasn't, we have definitely overturned. If we hadn't, we would still have, you know, black people not having the right to sue. We would still have separate but equal. But you're right. This is the first time, I think, that they've taken away a fundamental right. And I think it's, it kind of causes chaos a little bit. Yeah, I agree. And, I, you know, and I don't know, this is a tough one. I think it's a bad, I think it was a bad decision. Right. I'm not anti-abortion. I think from a... Judicial standpoint, it was a bad position, uh, you know, decision. I think politically, you know, yes. they definitely weren't helping Republicans with the decision. Yes. Um, I mean, maybe for like 15 minutes, but once the midterms come around, you know, that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I told you earlier on Facebook in the, in the comments, I, I, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. And I, and I thought Roberts would have gotten one of them. Me so too. Just the same face. Me too. Just to look uh, complicit instead of infinite, I guess. Yes. Well, I think, you know, interesting thing is Kavanaugh in both cases kind of joined the majority, but then also kind of threw in the caveat like, hey, we're not going way off the deep end. Don't worry. I thought that was interesting because Roberts joined him on the gun decision. And like you and me have talked about guns and I want to get so deep into guns, but like. I'm I'm not totally against. Yeah, like I don't want to like I don't totally disagree with we you and I have talked though like we don't need 
Johnny whoever walking into Acme with a gun. But at the same time, maybe New Jersey, New York is a little too restrictive. I just hate how Thomas did it because it was so egregiously outside the bounds of precedent. But it's like my point is like Kavanaugh on both cases overturned, but kind of like through a caveat. I'm surprised Roberts couldn't get him not to overturn Roe. I don't know if these guys make a deal to get nominated. It sounds terrible, but like, do they? Because there's such political hacks these days. Like, do they say I'm just going to over? I don't know. It's like fascinating, but he did kind of temper things in both cases. Kavanaugh. Listen, everything, you've been around walking Everything's a horse trick. Right. Right. So it's like I said to you earlier, for no other reason, they're already talking about the court tax. Yes, like, yes. If for no other reason, you know, I thought Robert would have been able to sway at least one of them, like, guys, like, you know, you're going to mess us all up here. Like, right. Like, you know what I mean? Calm down. Right. I'm surprised he didn't have the sway. He used to have it. I think that Barrett nomination really threw him off where he didn't really have another swing voter to like to get that's why i said i don't know if you heard i said i'm intrigued by kavanaugh 20 years from now i said because i'm like the way he's already going like he could either go reliably right or he could be that swing kind of guy again with rock like because he's already wavering like i'm just curious to how he goes what you think he could be the new kennedy i don't know if i'd go as far as to say kennedy but maybe at least the new roberts with him but the new Roberts is the, the, the new Rob Roberts keeps reinventing himself. It's very true. <laughs> very true. You know what I mean? Yes. You think you got the guy back? He throws you for a loop. Very true. Very true. I I don't know. Like I just I, I'm I'm confused, Mark, because you and I are like these like you know we love history and and it's like there's like something to be said for just like the respect for the institution and like the semblance of reliability it has and th- what they did the last two, like day is just like you're undermining that like and sometimes you got to just uphold things to to maintain your credibility and it's like are these guys like you would think they were the same students of history as we are how can they just go that far on ideology but if you get on the court, you might do different. You might say, fuck it, I'm here. Right, maybe, yeah, because you know I mean? there's you no know, check. The old saying, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. So, no, you're right. You know, that, you know, that, and that, frankly, if we're talking history, I think that's what got Roe passed in the first place. Well, that's, Especially yes. Especially why Morgan, just the, the conservatives just bowing to the times, to the social press, just saying, you know what, this... It's going to be better off if we do this. It might, we might not agree with it wholeheartedly, but you know what? It'll be better off for the country. It'll be better off for, for everything if we just... If we go along, you know, we just go along. You know what's interesting to that point, to delve into, because I actually, I really was more intellectually captivated by the Roe decision today with Alito because he brought that up too. He actually said, like, they sometimes kind of make like an anticipatory decision because they say, well, this will clarify the law and therefore like kind of move society in the direction we think we're going anyway. He basically said like when they decided Roe, they didn't have the social backing that they claimed, but they anticipated that the social backing would like rectify itself in the next 40 years. And he, he pointed out, I guess you would say rightfully that it hasn't, that there's still like a 50-50 divide. Therefore, they didn't have the basis they thought they had when they decided Roe. And to your point about even when it was decided, it was like politically whimsical. His reasoning and a lot of legal scholars I've read 
would agree with that. That Roe was a shaky decision on the basis it was decided. It created a right that now they're rescinding, which I disagree with. But from a jurisprudence standpoint, it was a shaky decision to begin with, and it never really has held up. So it's interesting that you point that out. I agree. I mean, not to hurt anybody's feelings, but I think it was on shaky. I'm not a lawyer, but right. in my historical analysis, I think it was a shaky, you know, it had shaky legal foundation, just the way right. Clarence, it has shaky legal foundation. <laughs> right. Really yes, shaky. right. You know, like San Andreas Fault shaky sometimes. <laughs> yes, right. But no, I, yeah, I, I agree. Stuff. Yeah, it's a good, it's a, so for those of us that are scholars of this, like you are, it's just interesting. And I call you a scholar, not because of whatever, but you're just into it, you know? Compromise. Sometimes you got to compromise. Yes, yes. So it's now, fascinating. Now, Where do... as far as the, now, as far as the dumb thing, I didn't get a chance to read really any of this yet. Just little blurbs that get you know put out right. here. But I agree. I agree with that one. Now, does it worry me? Right. Because of where we live. Yes, it does worry me. Right. Like, come on. I don't think the right. The right. Everybody else has the right in forty-three states. Right. So. Why should we and you know, uh, you know, six, seven other, seven other states and DC have a separate set of rules? Right. You know, and, and there's also no reciprocity. Like for instance, a driver's license. Every state accepts every other state's driver's license. New Jersey refuses to accept any other state's concealed carry permit. Like where. You know what I mean? That's a no. That's a good point. Because, yes, because you're going to get charged with a second degree crime coming through like northern tip of New Jersey from Pennsylvania to New York if you had a valid license. That's a concern. I think my thing is like I know what you do. I know what I do. You, you know, I, I I definitely think that like we have some interest in preventing Joey Boombots like in in Jackson from going every day to the the Acme with a damn gun on his hip because he's just not. Why does he need it? And what is he's more likely to make a dumb decision than a good one. And we've had, he, he, you know, he's definitely an idiot. But at the same time, who are you and I? You know, <laughs> there's a lot of idiots out there. I don't think a lot of people should drive. Right. Be driving. But who who am I to say you shouldn't or you can't? Right, right. You, you know need what a, I mean? right. You put them through licensure requirements and testing, but you can't say you need to show me a legitimate reason to drive. Yeah, and I know they're different. I'm not trying to conflate the two because a lot of people do that, you know. But what I'm just trying to say is, we we disagree with a lot of people or a lot of things that they say or they do. But you never say, you know what, this guy should definitely not be allowed to talk. You'll say, okay, right. he's an idiot for what he just said. But, you know, and I understand it's different. We're talking about, you know, a dangerous weapon. Yeah, really it, damn it, dangerous. It, right, right. But I get it. But, but it's sticky. The, the whole thing is murky, um, you know. Well, I, that's, why I under, but, that's why I think, you know, what Kavanaugh said in that decision, which Roberts, you know, joined, which was like, look, they're going to have licensure requirements. And whether or not those licensure requirements hold up to constitutional muster, we'll decide later. But like you can have a more stringent licensing requirement than Texas. It just matters, like if it rises up to, you know, constitutional scrutiny or not. And I, like I even said, you yeah, I think you missed like you missed that part. I even said, like, I was kind of not necessarily totally on board with justifiable need but i still think we could regulate more than other states because of like the way our culture and our everything is like i just thought and it, you read the case so I, i'm pretty sure Ch thomas's decision was just really bad like like whether you agree with the outcome or not his decision was way outside the bounds like i said i haven't had a chance to read it but i'll take your word yeah 
Yeah. So, for instance, okay, here's one thing I saw discussed already as far as where we differ. So, most other states that I'm aware of, the vast majority, once you have a concealed carry permit, you basically you go for broke. If you buy, like, you know, if you have 50 handguns, let's say, you know, right. whatever pair of pants you're putting on that day, like, uh, you know, don't be a menace to South Central, so they drink, you know, yes. low top <laughs> with this tech hot. I've already yes. heard that the state police are going to, um, it's going to be the same situation that already, like, if you are one of those rare people in New Jersey, you get a carry permit. It's going to be the same scenario where you're going to be restricted to, uh, you have to name, you know, you have to give them the make, model, serial number of a particular firearm. Right, yes, carry. yes, just and like, you yes. Have to have training. You have to be, you have to get a certified letter, you have to get a letter from a, you know, certified trainer that you've, you know, you've completed a successful course with that particular firearm. Right. Yeah, we're definitely going to do that. I know it. And that's going to pass muster, I bet. No, I, I don't disagree with that. Right. I, I don't disagree with that at all, but that's what I'm saying is you said we'd be more restrictive. I was just saying that's one yes. area that I already know is going into effect. Yes. Um, where we are more strict. Right. Um, you know, than other people. Other right. States. Right. Yeah, and is it the end of the world? No. I, I think our culture, like I said earlier, too, I don't think it lends itself to everybody being strapped out. I do think some people that I would rather not will be. Uh, it's not going to be in my area or where you work. It's not because they're going to be out in the burbs. But, like, you know, do I think it might cost a life or two? I honestly think it will. I think somebody, I think one or two of these guys is going to pull it thinking he's, you know, Rambo and he's going to do something stupid. But is it going to be some cataclysmic thing? Probably not, you know. It's just an interesting, you and know. Also, the first idiot that does that and gets 30 years, the rest of them are going to be like, "What? Wait, I didn't know I could do that." That is true. That is true too. Yes, yes. The vigilantism, if it's slapped down for the wrong decision, you know. And then there's something to be said. Like I just don't. I just know that most of the people that are going to do it are not in areas where they need it. Like we've both seen in Newark and areas like that where. A lot of off-duty cops and whatnot are constantly thwarting robberies, and it does work. I know. That's why I'm saying, like, it makes sense there. So, you know, it, it, there is something to be said for it, you know? It's like, but, like, we're not in, like, far apart as people might think. Like, I, I get it, you know? I get it. That's the other thing, too. Down our way, you know, especially uh, not so much freehold area. Right. But, you know, Middletown area, Red Bank area, yeah. right off the parkway here. Yeah. We've seen a huge, you know, uptick in... in Auto you know, thefts. Pretty, yeah, like right in your driveway. Like, yeah. I mean, it happened to my mother. Yeah. No Yeah. No, it has. It has. So, you know, that is an... It's just... Uh, I don't know. I But... It's Even tough. yeah, no, yeah, and I know forty-three states is an interesting thing too because it's forty-three friggin' states. I know, I know. You know, it's interesting. I do think Massachusetts, New York, and New Jersey have different histories with different considerations, but I I get it. You know, I well, do it's get it. It's been more densely packed. Yes. I don't say. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're talking about the Second Amendment. We literally are. The, you know, the Civil War was mostly fought here. I mean, the yes. Revolutionary War. Yes. Right? When you bring it back, you know what I mean? It's going to catch 22 on both on both sides. Yes. No, I know what you're saying. I know, I know what you're saying. And that's why we kind of had that discussion early. Like, it was like in in 
the way it actually the outcome of it i was kind of like ah oh, it's interesting it's going to be interesting how it's regulated now i just hated thomas's reasoning but the outcome and then on the other hand the row i'm like dead set against too but i i kind of respected alito's maneuvering of the legal analysis you know this is the world we live in when you're a thinker you know nothing's ever black and white or binary and we just live in this reality you know it's terrible <laughs> You know? Hemingway said it. It's terrible. Yeah, it is. It's Boston. It's, it's terrible. Yes. It's like we have to live in that existence perpetually, and it is what it is, you know? And it's yeah. <laughs> it's not an easy existence, Mark. It's not, damn it. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. No. I, I honestly, I... I wish I could get rid of it. Somehow. Yes, me too. Me too. I know. I know. But I appreciate you chiming in and talking to me about it so we can at least be on that plane together with Rick and everybody else that we vibe with, you know, and then have this show and do what we do and, you know, bring interesting well, perspectives in to just think about, you know. Listen, I can talk to you all night, but I know you got to go soon. But listen, one last thing. Yeah. Interesting what Rick said. Yes. About the, the handmaiden sale. Yes. Because um, I've been hearing that for forever now. You know, mm -hmm. we always hear that yes. in regards to this kind of subject. Yes. And you were talking about, you know, the fascism and this and that. Yeah. So I have, I, I want to give you something to ponder. If, I mean, if you have any comments now, obviously. Yeah. But so it, I find like we're in a perplexing situation here. Yeah. Because while you do have, you know, fascist type things going on. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like, for instance, like, so, okay, so Roe v. Wade takes us back 50 years. Some mm -hmm. people argue it takes us back hundreds of years, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. and, not, and they're not entirely wrong. Right. Um, and then people reference The Handmaid's Tale. Right. And then they talk about fascism and, you know, and Trump, you know, still trying to steal the election. Mm -hmm. You know, what would they do? What would, what would Trump do? What would his judiciary do if they could if they could have accomplished that. Right. Right? Yes. Yet at the same time, they're arming more and more people, which sounds counterintuitive to the fascism aspect. You, you mean like there are, are you saying the left is, is going... No, the right. So the, so the right is constantly trying to restrict things like abortion and these different social issues now you know in the opinion i saw thomas wrote about potentially talking about gay marriage yes deceptive yes you know, so so they're becoming fascist in in one sense yes they're going out of their way to arm the same groups in huge numbers that they're trying right to i see i so see it's like it's it's weird you know what i mean so everybody's like fascism, fascism, but like okay they took away your abortion or they, or they may have made it more difficult, depending on what state you live in. But they just made it so much easier for you to get a gun. Right. I know what you're... But I, and I think... And I'll you're ponder it... From, from, yes. From a, from a historical sense, like yes. if you're Mao or you're Stalin or you're, or you're Ferdinand Marco, the last thing you want to do is arm more people you're trying to oppress. And, so and it's very yes. perplexing to me. It's very paradoxical. Now, Rick so says... I disagree with... It completely. But you follow me? No, I do follow you. Rick followed you earlier than I did. He actually posted in there, no, not when the gun owners are the fascist supporters. And there's some se that makes. So you both make a point because your point is obviously true. Like, it doesn't matter whether you're a fascist supporter or a damn or like a gay rights supporter. You have more access to guns because of the actions of who you call a fascist. He's saying, yeah, but the people who mostly have the guns are the fascist supporters. But to your point, 
well, they just allowed everybody to get guns, so you don't have to. It doesn't have to be the fascist supporters who keep the guns. You could get them. I, I, I think on a deeper level, what you're saying, which I take your point, and it makes a lot of sense, is I think the two-party system, and I'm not one of these, like, the two-party system is terrible, whatever, but... There's a lot of hypocrisy on both sides of this thing where there's hypocrisy not only on them, but hypocrisy on their accusers on both sides. It's like, yeah, they, they do one thing and then do the other. They, everything's contradictory all the time, and it's like baffling. I, I, I take your point. It's well taken. That's what messes me and you up so much because yes. we can't see any real linear logic to it because it always flip-flops. They, yes. They, they, on both sides, day in, day out, they just flip-flop, flip-flop. Yes, like, yes. So we find it hard to even identify with what the hell we're supposed to identify with. We're just trying to call balls and strikes on a given issue on a given day, and then it changes, and then we get yelled at for calling the ball or strike we wanted to, and it never ends. And that's I want consistency is why we do this damn show. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're going to be an asshole, be an asshole all the time. Yes. Don't, you know, then I know how to deal with you. Yes. How to, how to peg you or whatever. Yes. No, it makes a lot of sense. It's a well-taken point. It's a it's a good food-for-thought point that that's what the show's for. So I, I respect that point, and, and it it bears discussion and thought, and I will ponder it even more, too, and, yeah, and get back. To, get yeah, get back to it. Yeah, I will. I will. I think it's interesting. I do. I do. It's an it's an interesting state of you know where we are right now in history and and everything. It's still an experiment and it's still evolving and we kind of find ourselves here still trying to figure it out. So it makes sense. It makes sense. I'm not having a good go of it. <laughs> Me either, Mark. <laughs> well, in life we're doing all right, but in society and trying to decipher it, we're not having a good go. I I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah, no, I can't make. I, it's like the Twilight Zone. Yeah, and that's what I say to everybody all the time. I always say, "Is this the Twilight Zone? What is this? The Twilight Zone? This must be the Twilight Zone because that's how I feel about everything going on right now." I agree, Mark. I agree. Seriously, this is either the Twilight Zone or Groundhog's Day. Yes. On the day. Yeah, both. I think it's both. The Twilight Zone appearing every day like Groundhog's Day. I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yes. No, I agree. I agree, brother. And I appreciate the call, too. Yeah, no. So, good to talk to you. Yeah, good to hear from you. It's been a while, and I hope to hear from you again soon. We got the Skype back up, so it's going to be back like the old days. And uh, I'm hyped, and I hope everything is well with you and in, in everything, man. And I'll talk to you off of here, too, and uh, we'll catch up, brother. You got it, my friend. All right, Mark. Talk to you later, bro. Later, man. All right, bye. More good uh, input from somebody. See, this is what the show's about, too. Like, it's not even like part of the show, too, is listening to what goes on and, and hearing it and then and then calling in and having your opinion and hearing that opinion, too, and going from there. And that's part of what makes the show great. And then even the back and forth in the comments from the calls. I mean, this is what we do. This is what we do on Logic and Larry. We discuss things. We get it out of our system. This is the political dialogue from an objective I don't want to say safe space because safe space is so cliche now and it's used in the wrong context, but it's a safe space where you can be yourself. You can express an opinion without being unfairly chastised and thrown out. And somebody else could listen to your opinion and say, look, I agree with this, but how about that? This is how we should be. And that's why I said at the beginning of the show, like this is where we need to be. This show and, and these kinds of dialogues and this type of stuff and this type of engagement is even more important now than it's ever been previously because as we engage with these issues this becomes more important we need to continue to also see each other as 
other intellectual, objective human beings with different perspectives and talk through and walk through our issues and our problems to get to the best possible solutions. And the way to do that is through the dialogue that we're having and the type of dialogue that we're having on a show like this. So I appreciate Mark's call. I appreciate Rick's call. I appreciate all of you listening. I hope you enjoyed the jazz music. I hope you were all chilling. I hope this gave you, like Barb's saying now, I hope it gave you some semblance of hope and inspiration, not because the world is just going to change overnight because we had a discussion on Logic and Larry or I did funny voices and criticized Clarence Thomas, but because we know that there are other people out there in this country who sympathize and empathize with our concerns, yet also have the logical prowess and the training and the professionalism and the wherewithal to engage in the conversation. So as long as there are people like us out there engaging with each other, we have hope for the future. And hopefully we can build this into something even more profound in the future as we continue to go through this journey together. And Tom, thank you, sir, for joining me once again. And I know I say this all the time, but I'm going to set up these guest appearances again very soon. I've just kind of been shooting from the hip. It's summer. I was going to take a hiatus this summer. I'm probably going to hold off on that. I think I'm going to keep broadcasting through most of the summer. We're going to get some more guests on, and a lot of you are going to be those guests as, like, set time slots with set topics. I'll be reaching out to you. Um, But I deeply deeply appreciate all of you and i will keep up with the funny voices tom thank you i hope i appreciate all of you joining me live and please when the show comes out on the recorded version please share it with your friends share it with your family let them know you know one day it might be the right we're talking about one day the left we're talking about but every day it's subjective and every day we're discussing current events that matter to everybody keep sharing the show keep getting it out there it's only going to grow i'm a young man i'm still kicking this thing has endless potential we're going to keep it up i hope everybody has a, a beautiful weekend i hope you enjoy the the summer weather if you're in the northeast we're finally going to get our sunshine back i hope you do something great spend time with family spend time with loved ones spend time with friends there is a brighter day tomorrow we will continue to persevere humanity has been through a lot worse we will do what we have to do and we will continue to persevere and we will continue to look out for each other and i will talk to all of you guys very soon in about two weeks time until then share the show vibe out to the playlist and have a great 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 night and a great 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 weekend good night everybody